listener discretion. Firstly, in any of the stories that we cover in this episode, any of the humour will never be aimed towards any of the victims. Secondly, any impressions that are done are only done for the purpose of humour and mean no offence. Now, on with the episode. It's Grandad. And go away, you gonna go. For our first special, where in today's episode, we're going to be looking at not just it, but also the newly released 2019 Joker film. Dawn yourselves with your tin hats, look towards the stars, because today's going to be a good show. So you're joined today by Grandad once again. Welcome to Better Show. Put on your tinfoil hat, look to the stars, because today's going to be a better show. Or a better show. <laughs> I mean, uh, show name, maybe? <laughs> better. <laughs> so... Yes, we're going to be looking into not just it, but also the Joker film. Um, I think it goes without saying that um, as it's not titled as a non-spoiler cast, we will be going into the spoilers. So fair warning to all of those who don't want any spoilers for either film, one being significantly less relevant than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's a song that all of us think about when we think about 2019, the uh, Joker film. And it's not that one. There we go. I'm so bad with my cues. That should have faded out too. Anyway, so... <laughs> God, not, I'm not today. I'm not good at this. Um, so, we've both seen the film. You've seen the film twice. I have. Um, and with it as well, we're going to be looking into um, more It Chapter 2 than It Chapter 1 because um. obviously It Chapter 2 is slightly more relevant at the moment. Um, but I think it's... I think audience members are going to be fairly unsurprised about this result. But which film was better out of It 2 and, the, and Joker? Joker. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it uh, frankly defied expectations with a lot of fans, uh, but the fans' expectations were not unwarranted because of DC's most recent line of films. Mm. Yeah, it was always going to be risky, but I think when I heard that Joaquin Phoenix had been cast as the Joker, I was like, okay. Okay, I'm on board. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people weren't um, from that and they're still sceptical even now. Um, But I I reckon after having seen the film, a good 90% of those people are going to change their mind. Mm. So uh, I think the first thing that we should go into is the kind of origin story of the Joker as a character. Um, So unlike things like it, where it um, instead from the uh, mind of... Stephen King. It did. Um, <laughs> Only the most I, prolific I, horror writer I, I, of all time. I, I lost his 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 name for a little bit there, but the King. But uh, the Joker apparently um, is inspired by a film called The Man uh, Who. Sorry, yeah, The Man Who Laughs, mm-hmm. um, which came out in 1928, or at least the trailer did. Mm. Um, and okay, because is. Isn't that the premise of that film, that he's born with a defect where he can't stop smiling? 
I believe, from what I've been able to research, it's um, set in France and the main character, his father, is to be executed, to be put in an Iron Maiden for some form of crime that he's committed. Hmm. And in order to sort of punish both father and son, they deform him and they Um. carve that smile onto his face. So as he watches his father being killed by the Iron Maiden... He, he can do nothing but smile, yeah. which is kind of the tragic irony that he will never be able to not emote again. <laughs> no, and I think that's I think that's something that they kind of carried over with this new Joker film, which didn't come it didn't come across in the trailers, and it didn't um, come across at least in anything that I'd read. But he uh, was, as far as I'm aware, born with a defect where he laughs. Mm-hmm. uncontrollably and it's kind of like a stutter for him um but yeah he he laughs at completely the wrong situations probably one that stands out to me is the scene where he's on the subway uh alone more or less in a carriage that's only occupied further past him by three um quite well-off gentlemen and a young lady reading a book and i don't know whether the gentleman had been drinking but they were giving that impression and they were harassing this lady and this lady was looking towards um oh i guess i guess i don't know i will we'll get to what i think of him as a character whether he's a hero or anti-hero or whatever but looking towards um soon to be joker for help and he's unavailable to give it to her because all he's doing is laughing but in a way he kind of does because he turns his their attention away from the woman towards him Mm. yeah because the condition that he has which maybe he was born with it's also kind of proposed that he gained it through the trauma to his head from yes because wasn't his boyfriend wasn't there two um events where he was left virtually knocked out um but uh, there there's there's bits and bobs that we're going to expand on in a bit that um led you to suggest that a lot of this film may not have actually happened within mm-hmm. the law canon um but we'll get we'll get back to joker because first of all i think we should cover it seeing as it came up before before Mm -hmm. joker did uh i've only very recently seen the first film and i've got to say as a as a film um that is a remake of the stephen king um was it the miniseries that they were focusing on more or was it the actual film Um, it was drawing from the miniseries but it was more true to the um book okay I believe so i i i honestly thought it was just going to be a scary clown film but there were some there were a few heartfelt moments um the one that really stood out to me was way 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 towards the end of the film where they find georgie's raincoat mm. and they all just kind of hug around i can't remember the name of the older brother bill. bill but they all hug around him as he's mourning the loss of his brother and finally gaining some acceptance because for the rest of the film or sorry for the film leading up to that moment he's in denial about georgie having gone <sighs> Yeah, the first... Spoiler alert, it's Pennywise. (laughs) Hiya, Georgie. We all float down here, Georgie. Y'all float too. Y'all float too. Yeah, it was more of a coming-of-age film, I think. Yeah. Which... Because isn't the premise that no... um, Well, there are certain illusions that Pennywise creates that only virgins can see, or people who haven't hit puberty. 
Yeah, but his demographic isn't just kids. No, because... He kills a lot of adults. Yeah, because um, he kills the um, bullies who are young adults and... Mm. It mainly relies on his victims having imagination. Ah, uh, okay. Which... Of course, have uh, that, that girl's father probably didn't have much of. Yeah. And there's this thing which... I believe it's commented on the books and it's alluded to in the films that there's this thing called the Derry disease, mm. which makes people a lot more violent and they are more accepting of violence. Like in It Chapter 2, one of the opening scenes is a homophobic attack and nobody does anything. And oh, so it's just like that bum that walks away in the Stephen King miniseries when that girl's being beaten up. Pretty much, yeah, except this guy gets thrown over um, a bridge into the river. He's already mm. been beaten within an inch of his life. And his boyfriend is just sort of stood there watching as these people beat his boyfriend up. And uh, then Pennywise gets hold of dear old, I believe it's Adrian or Aaron. I think it's Adrian. but um, It's not A-A-Ron. A-A-Ron. And nom, 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 nom. Yeah. So yeah, the disease. I was impressed with most of the visual effects in the first film. The only part that I wasn't impressed with was one of the first Pennywise appearances when he grabs hold of Georgie and his mouth just kind of clamps around his arm. That's so shit. But the rest of the CGI and kind of contortion, almost like Photoshop um, presets, was really really nice, Mm. and um, and still holds up. But yeah, all in all, I was quite surprised that. Uh, the 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 uh, finished off product because I haven't seen it and well hadn't seen it until only yesterday evening. Um, in terms of jump scares, I'm no good with them. But the only jump scare that I really had was when Pennywise is just standing in the entrance of the bathroom, <laughs> and that's only because I was watching my sister came in and watched that little bit with me, and she just screamed, <laughs> and it was more my reaction to her than it was to that scene. But yeah, overall very impressed, and I um, I'm more driven to go and see it too probably when only when it comes out on dvd but yeah so i saw it chapter two twice once with a group and once with my dad and i i really enjoyed the first it purely because i liked the whole coming of age side of it Mm. and when it came to it chapter two i was like okay because i really loved the cast the casting was absolutely amazing because you've got James McAvoy as Bill and Bill Hader as Richie, who, best part of that film, by far. Um, but I think with It Chapter 2, it doesn't have the coming-of-age element that made the first one so strong. Mm. And it's a lot of repetition from the first one and a lot of people just walking around and, you know rediscovering things that the audience already knows Mm. and I don't know whether it would have been best served to go the same way as the miniseries did where you had well the miniseries and the book where you've got um the flashback and then current day Mm. flashback current day format because it is just a lot of the adults just walking around and if you hadn't seen the first one there's very little context, I think. Okay. But yeah. I I enjoyed it for what it was, I think. But it, it's nowhere near as strong as the first one. Okay. Well, I think I'm still going to see it because 
it's a, it also surprised me. I don't know whether I've broken out of the fear of thriller films and horror films and that, but there was a time when I just wouldn't be able to watch anything of that kind of scale. So maybe it will um, not only drive me to watch It number two, but also branch out and start watching other films as well. Because I'd like to watch things like... Um, uh, um, I want to. Say, I almost wanted to say the Mummy, but I saw then it was terrible. Um, the Nun is it the Nun? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> but things like that, where where at least from the trailer, it's built off its jump scares more or less, and that's about it. Yeah, pretty much. It's okay. just ninety minutes of jump scares. Nun jumping out. <laughs> oh. Still here. But in terms of the inspiration for Pennywise, you've done a bit of research into that, haven't you? Yes, I have. So where did Pennywise and the killer clown thing originate? Because we've also had it in various other um, bits of media that we've explored, not just with Joker, which I'm sure it's also fed into, but also things like The Purge and American Horror Story. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of other things with killer clowns. Um, There was a whole... Sarah Jane Adventures! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There was a whole spate of killer clown things like back in mid 2000s and then obviously with the release of it chapter one mm. the whole killer clown thing where someone's down at the interview drive with a clown costume and a machete um to be fair you're well within your rights to shoot them that would have just been natural selection but that's just my opinion <laughs> the bullet chose you to die it was your time it was your time to die yeah so the whole killer clown thing really sort of got its roots from John Wayne Gacy who was a serial killer who nasty nasty bastard where was he from he was from Illinois okay um so so what kind of accent are we looking at so I can start offending people (laughs) (sighs) it's sort of just a traditional American accent. Okay, so I'm going around, I'm doing terrible things to people. So what kind of terrible things am I doing? Well, you're getting hold of uh, 33 young men and boys. Oh. And uh, burying them under your basement. You know what? I went to my local home base back when I visited um, England and I said to them, look, I got a basement and I don't want a basement no more and I want to fill it up with some kind of compressed matter. And they said, you know what? Concrete might be the thing to do it. And I looked at him and I just laughed. Because <laughs> then I realized that I had a lot of material back at home, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so he was operating between January 1972 and December 1978, Mm. which, I mean, that's a fair conversion rate of kills per year. I mean, that's about... I don't know if you can go to the bank and cash that in. (laughs) I mean, this is Illinois we're talking about. Okay, fair. No offence, Illinois. Um, But he was was married. He was a well-known staple of the community. He had a son and a daughter. Mm. Did um, either of these bear the brunt of his psychotic... Nope. Not even the son? Nope. None of them knew what was going on with him. He was just this pillar of the community and then it was... In the dead of the night, he was either strangling mm. or stabbing people to death in his in his basement and then burying them under his property, Mm. and the last four known victims were 
just discarded in a river. Uh, daddy, daddy, I gotta say, this is one fine roast you've prepared for us. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, what's that down there? Oh, it's a little white wiggly. Oh, that's a maggot. Oh, there's another one. Oh, no, there's so many. Oh, daddy. They're no. under the carpet. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, daddy, no. He, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was a well-known pillar of the community purely for the fact that he had his persona of, I, th- I think it was both Patches the Clown and Pogo the Clown, which, I mean, it's not, it's no Carnival the Clown, is it? It's no. It's Carnival. So Pogo the Clown and Pat, was it Patchy? Patches. Patches. It's not like the Apache tracker. <laughs> <laughs> not pa- the Apaches, no. Oh, okay. Uh, did he walk around in like a patchwork suit not really he had the sort of conventional what the conventional gonna smother your face in cream and yep why has he got the bat symbol on his mouth <laughs> he is the bat man the bat man he um had the to draw comparison um twisty the clown's costume Oh, okay. In um, Freak Show mm. is pretty much what he wore. Right. And and that's that's a great inspiration for Pennywise as well because that's very much his costume with the kind of fluffy balls on the shoes and jacket. That's where it came from. Yeah. So, yes. Um, oh. Oh. Drama. 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 I have only just discovered this. Yes. But, um, so he was like a hospital clown as well. Which feeds into Joker. Hey, um, which is such a funny scene. <laughs> don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. I dropped my gun. Oh, that's a, a that's a prop. I'm gonna start shooting the nurses. Bang bang bang. This is a prop, blood. Look at I can stick my finger into her brain hole, and it comes out her mouth, and now she's a sock puppet. <laughs> Carry on. Um, in 1975, mm-hmm. apparently Gacy told his wife that he was bisexual. Right. And after the couple... Had... We're not a fucking psycho. <laughs> he, he thought he'd leave that out, you know. That's oh. something to develop later. Oh, okay. There's so much that you can tell your wife in one evening before she's like, I heard it all. <laughs> you know down. what? You go get a beer, sit yourself down and watch some TV. I'm done with your shit. I'm going to go out with the real housewives, not have a job and wander around the streets bitching about how good life is. Hells yeah. That's a digger. Is it the real housewives of... LA or some shit. God, yeah. that show sucks There are real housewives of every state. Yeah. And there's also real housewives of Cheshire, which, who was asking for I that? I can't wait for the real housewives of, um, Croydon. <laughs> real housewives of Welling. Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, no. Yeah, so they had sex on Mother's Day of... 1975 and that was the last time that they ever did the horizontal tango and they got divorced the well, next step. year <laughs> oh the okay. step of love okay was it because of the fact that he was bisexual it doesn't really say because oh, okay. if it was she clearly wasn't very open minded and now she's the villain of the story <laughs> I mean you've got someone who killed 33 people but she She's not, not open minded at all, and as we know that this community and society, we have to be open minded mm-hmm. because that's the way it should be. And I think it was the gay pornography that really tipped her over the edge. Okay. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, he was borrowing a lot of videotapes. Uh, 
partaking a lot in did she go into the local blockbuster and did she like own a loyalty card that she shared with her husband and the guy just came up to him like "Mm, are you buying more here's a wanky pajami and if you don't like that here's a tuggy me tuggy (laughs) and uh, it's followed up by its sequel sucky (laughs) masucky Oh, what's that? You want to water out Winnie the Pooh, my bad. <laughs> oh, no. I suppose you're not talking about the porno with... um. It's actually called Willie and Pooh. There's <laughs> a lot of dookie in that one. Uh, you know, to each their own. So, he was the uh, inspiration. It seems like he's fed into a lot of the different clown uh, films, not just... Uh, not just it but mm-hmm. let, let's go into um our review now for joker mm-hmm. um oh my god where to begin um it's a point that one of my friends made who should be on the podcast hopefully next week is that he didn't have a lot of joker moments but something that i had to kind of press back to him is this is a joker origin story plus and it's something that we've forgotten and um They've done the kind of opposite with Harley Quinn, where this isn't an animated film, so mm-hmm. they can't get away with so many bizarre and wacky Joker moments because he still has to remain human and three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's the opposite of Harley Quinn, where she's totally doing wacky things all over the time. She's so two-dimensional, and every single line that she has is something out of the Batman animated series. Bitch, I, I don't have very high hopes for it no. at all. No, me neither. And the fact that they've written out Ivy is just... Stupid. Yeah, that's terrible. I, I think that's how it's gone. At least that's how this friend of mine's told me it. Because um, that was, going on a slight side note, that was the whole um, Harley Quinn thing, was that when she wasn't with Joker, she was either out at one of her two jobs, being a therapist, a bad one, um, uh, the whole roller skate derby thing, which I think they're retaining within the Birds of Prey film. But the fact that she roommated with Poison Ivy. No, they didn't have the budget for Poison Ivy, you see. Um, yes, I mean, a character-defining thing, but we just don't have the budget. So, but I, oh, I loved the direction that they took it with, because not not Birds of Prey. Definitely not. <laughs> well, we don't know yet. Well, I, I may be pleasantly surprised. It might be a cinematic masterpiece. Maybe. <laughs> I will not pass judgments yet. Uh, I'll leave that until February. Um, They're going to be a load of sweaty nerds in the premiere of it because it's like, oh man, we thought we were all going to just watch a film and get boners, but there's actual story here. No. Oh no. Why do we care? Um, yeah, I really like my dark, gritty superhero films apart from pretty much all of the DC dark and gritty. Apart from Watchmen, which is still under the DC. Watchmen is good. Still under the DC tag, and Watchmen is definitely still one of my favourite dark and gritty superhero films. Joker has just overtaken that, only just. Mm. Um, so let's go. Let's go for a um, a bit. Do you think you might be able to sum up um, the basic premise of Joker leading up to his what some people may call downfall, but what some people may call rise? True. I'll give it a go. So Arthur Fleck is a middle-aged, well. He's past middle aged. He's he's bored because he's in his forties, isn't he? Unless he just know. hasn't aged well. I mean, he's clearly taken a beating and is severely anorexic. And mm. because there's something that would suggest 
there's a line that I believe it's Arthur or Penny says that's something like 30 years. So it would place him being about 30 years old, which oh, okay. he, just he is not. Joaquin Phoenix, love the man. I don't think he's 30. He's 44 years old. He does not look 30. No. But um, he's living in a little flat in Arkham mm. with his elderly, potentially very mentally ill mother. Who's also played by an actress that I love. From American Horror Story. Yes, and also from The Fog, wasn't it? The miniseries that we yeah, never finished. The Mist. The Mist, yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, so he's living in Arkham in apartment with her. Um, she constantly writes letters to Thomas Wayne asking for support and financial aid because she used to work for them 30 years ago. Mm. Uh, Arthur works during the day as a clown and a sign flipper. Mm. I think I think that's what they're called. I guess he's hired out by stores and all because the store that you see, the only one store that you see him outside is a store that is closing, and mm. he's driving the sales for this music store. Yeah, Kenny's, and oh, nice, well remembered. <laughs> Badoom. and he also visits a therapist who. Uh, ah, has this their fucking cut. therapist. She got I mean, it's it's one of the many reasons why I'm torn between um, something and something else. But we'll cover that in a bit. But her reasoning for the therapy going under and her plan for her... She clearly doesn't give a shit. Because she mm-hmm. says, they don't give a shit about you, mm-hmm. like the corporation, and they don't give a shit about us, i.e. the therapist. But mm. she doesn't give a shit about him because no. she would be a trying out of her own way to arrange a plan, a contingency plan for his medication and for further uh, therapeutic treatment. Mm. Because she essentially, he tells her that he doesn't even think he existed and she just kind of goes, she just brushes over that and starts Mm. talking about how nobody cares about him and he's telling her this massive thing and she's just not taking any consideration but um he sees her and is on seven different medications i believe he says mm-hmm. and so he keeps a journal which is supposed to be documenting all of his negative thoughts but it's also his joke diary mm-hmm. and it's also got a lot of pornographic material in it it's got pornographic material and some very um bordering on satanic stuff at least that's what I saw I think I saw like a baby fetus on one of the pages and various other awful shit Um, but yeah so I think because his his idea of humour is I'm not going to say warped because he makes a very good point towards the end of the film that humour is purely um, subjective subjective. Um, but let's just say it's not very mainstream no and with his um with the head trauma that he suffered as a child, or maybe it was something that he was born with. Um, He has inappropriate laughter, which is... I've seen videos of people with this condition, and Joaquin Phoenix does it so well. Yeah. Because it's this physically painful reflex to being in any stressful situation mm. they can't physically stop themselves yeah and it's isn't it built off of the stress of the situation as well at least that's what i got from the film and any stressful situation that's what kick-started his his laughter mm. and 
um, to then not be able to stop because he's fully aware of situations, at least at the beginning of the film, he's fully aware of situations where you should be laughing and where you shouldn't. Mm. And he's trying to stop himself. You can see he's got his hand over his mouth and he's trying to take deep breaths, but it's just not, the laughter's getting through. Yeah, and he keeps choking on it. Yeah. Almost. Like when he's on the bus on the way home from one of his therapy sessions. Oh, yeah. There's this little child who is mm. an adorable and still squishy, but he's sort of giving him a sad face. So Arthur tries to cheer him up. Yeah, with a kind of classic peekaboo thing and then the face contortion. Mm. And he's bitch of a mother. This woman. Hmm. Yeah, um, why are you looking at my kid? <laughs> Would you stop by my kid? Why's well, he got a little card? Oh, he says that you laugh too much on your. <laughs> it's, it's becoming Chinese. less yeah it's becoming less the accent that I was wanting to go for <laughs> and then long story short she she yeah. um she doesn't really accept or she this gives her more reason to be concerned she rolls her eyes at him yeah while he's trying to subdue this laughter but it's yeah. just not physically possible I think it's messed up how many people during this film believe that card thing to be part of his act <sighs> yes is it one of the detectives later on says, "Is it just a clown thing?" Yeah, when he's waiting outside the hospital for his mother. Just why? I. <laughs> that is incredibly irritating. But oh, oh well, people are not understanding. This is the nineteen eighties, mm. um, and so following on from that, he goes to his job as a clown in a oh no i forgot but it kind of links um goes into work the next day after having his sign stolen and one of his co-workers randall gives, gives him, him a, a gun, gun. Goes, i'm not supposed to have a gun yeah but randall says oh you you can pay me back randall. yeah i don't get that because it's very kind of suggestive Oh, you can pay me back. No, <laughs> you can pay me back, Arthur. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if that, if my theory of that has any kind of grounds behind it, then what he does later is perfectly natural. Mm. Yeah. So he takes the gun and he gets called into the boss's office, mm. and his boss pretty much tells him, "You're lying." Yeah. Which I think there's evidence for my theory of things not being real. In relation to the sign, a little bit later. Okay. But he then goes to a children's hospital. <laughs> and uh, when he's doing... Was he singing? If uh, you're happy, oh, you're yeah, happy, yeah. happy hands. Um, it's really awful for that kid who has no hands. <laughs> he's just in the back <laughs> like, you. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Discrimination. <laughs> but he stumps his feet and the gun falls out of his boot. Which all of the bit acting that is done during that film i think his reaction noise and he makes exactly the same <laughs> noise when his sign is knocked out of his hand it's so joker mm. it's kind of like the Wah! <laughs> um it's got that childlike element to but him. also the madness behind it as well mm. um so yeah that's that's a that, that I, I heard it during the trailer and i was really happy to hear it again during the film mm. yeah he's I think the thing about Arthur is he is very childlike in certain ways, which may be due to the fact that he had a lot of head trauma when he was yeah. a child. And I guess there was that kind of thing of emotional 
regression to an extent. Mm. But there's also something that, um, again, to build on your his being very kind of childlike theory, um, and it's something that I picked up from therapy, not just with myself, but examples of others, is that a lot of people who suffer with um, mental health, they see the world in a very kind of black and white aspect. So anything that he sees is 100% negative in his mind and he can never see the positive. I know that a lot of his um, fallback safety blanket is what his mother told him. But yeah, that's... He's meant to bring joy. But that's all it is. It's not like he looks at a situation and takes it apart and sees the good and the bad. He's just thinking about what his mother said and just trying to put on a smile. Mm. Which... In a society like Gotham, where they don't really care for the working class, as it were. So we then have him getting fired from his job. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes home and he has... He imagines himself on the Murray Murray Franklin show, which is Mm. this thing that he's admired for so long. And... The kind of hero worship he's got towards Mary Franklin initially. This is the one spot of joy in his day that he goes back. Has Mary Franklin it. stopped breaking into houses in a red car and stopped telling people to fix their roofs and <laughs> get insurance? I mean, it's up, it's up to interpretation, really. Uh, he has this vision and Murray says, oh yeah, I'd love, I'd give up everything to have a son like you. Mm. Which plays into the idea that Arthur doesn't know his father no he doesn't have that kind of paternal relationship in his life and he's always been the man of the house but also the only good thing in his life is his mum and also his knowledge that the things he's doing for his mum is very selfless Mm. yeah he gets you see his reaction when murray says oh she must love you very much because of all you've given up Mm. So but also the care of her. also the fact that he gets zero recognition from his mum. Mm. His mum just expects it. Yeah, so he's wanting to imagine a father figure to him, t- taking him aside, not only saying that he wanted a son like him, but to also praise him for the efforts in his life. Mm. Which I, I love that scene, and it was kind of heartbreaking at the same time that this is just him imagining it, and it's probably the only positive reinforcement he can get is in his own head Mm. from this point you also have the introduction of Zazie Beat's character Sophie Mm. who is in the elevator they have a bit of an awkward exchange which yeah it is a very awkward exchange where she's I don't know whether she's saying it towards her kid or whatever but when her kid's asking her she's just like oh yeah I just want to shoot myself in the head (laughs) and then he does a very bizarre shot back at her and just walks her watches her walk away she gives him such a dirty look after that though Mm. yeah Uh, from there trying to remember how it pieces together because I can't can't remember exactly how it jumps to but you've got all the stuff with uh, Thomas Wayne and his son and Mm. also um, uh the romance that builds up with with the lady across the hall. Yeah, he has his... No, he doesn't have his final therapy session there. We'll move on to the train. Yes. To the subway. So, it's 
just after he's been fired. Yeah. Which, that exit is amazing. Let me punch out. (laughs) Wailing on the punching box. Yeah, so he's just been fired by phone. He Mm. breaks the phone box with his head, which is something that he's shown to do that when he's in stressful situations, his instinct is to either lash out or hurt himself. Mm. And he then takes the subway home. Yeah. He's still in full clown makeup. He sees these three bankers who'd worked with Thomas Wayne before. Mm. He just sees them get on the train and they start harassing this woman who sat opposite them. And she looks to Arthur to sort of help her out, but his natural reaction is that this is a dangerous situation. He can't really do anything but just start laughing. Mm. Which she then leaves the train. They come over to him. And start singing Send in the Clowns. Mm. Which you just kind of see Arthur getting more and more uncomfortable as they crowd round him. Mm. Then they ask him what's so funny. They start attacking him, calling him a freak. They nick his wig. One thing leads to another. Bang, 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 bang. Everybody gone die. One thing that my friend pointed out in the cinema was that it's... Um, I don't know if you saw this on your second watch, but it's a six-barreled um, revolver, and he fired seven times. Yeah. and Is that still correct? Yeah. It, it, okay. He actually fires more than seven. Oh, does he really? He fires four when he's actually in the carriage. Uh. Then when he gets out, he fires another four. Okay, so it's eight. And when he gets the gun, you see that he's only got six bullets in there anyway. And oh, really? He's already fired one of them. Yeah, but he uses the gun again, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He's already fired the gun once by accident into the wall, mm. which was the night previous. Are there only six bullets in that bag? Yeah, but remember, there's the scene where um, someone talks to him about him having gone out and tried to buy another gun. Yeah, the thirty-eight. So maybe he picked up bullets then. Maybe. Because he uses the same gun, doesn't he, to kill the show host? Mm, yeah. So he must have picked up other bullets. Yeah. But he he goes to town on these men. He does, yes. Um, I think he was personally a little bit justified. At yeah, first. it's very difficult with a film like this because you're seeing it from the victim's perspective, and mm. society has done him uh, dirty beyond all belief, mm. and he, his mother is um, not in a stable condition, even though he knows this at this point, but not fully aware of how bad it is mm-hmm. and um his job sucks he's just been fired um i don't know if he's getting along with this lady all that well it's in early days at the moment yeah he's only just had the his first encounter with her. yeah so as far as he's aware it's probably nothing and he just lashes out he's it's, it's in self-defense 100 percent. because they are beating the ever-loving crap out of him the problem is and this is where it borders on self-defense is that he shoots two guys mm. in the train and one of them gets away he then pursues them that's mm. where it crosses the line of self-defense if it were in self-defense in a court of law i understand it at least that the self-defense would be more accepted if it was just the shooting of the two guys on the train he'd remained on the train and that's where it ended mm. but because he pursued this guy and, and hunted him. him down essentially that's where the line is crossed yeah their logic in a court of law would be that 
the majority of the bullets to the third man was excessive. Yeah, and they were also in his back. Yeah. Which execution how be, style? How can you be into self defense if they've got their back to you? Mm. So we then have Arthur run through Gotham, just realizing what he's done. Which and then leads goes... to one of the best scenes in the film is his dancing in the moment, mm. which is not a metaphor. It's literally what he does. Mm. That's um, how he handles. Yeah, he he feels things. he feels everything flow through him, and he that's how he channels his panic at the situation and comes out of it fairly all right after that. Mm. Yeah, because the inspiration, well, one of the inspirations that I found was there's a mime and I can't remember what it's called but it's this whole mime routine where it's a clown trying to put on different masks Mm. and it looks very very similar to the dance that he's doing yeah and eventually he gets stuck on the permanently smiling mask Mm. so he's physically trying to tear his flesh to get rid of this mask but it's not coming off and so he's stuck with all of the pain and anger but he's not able to express it because Mm. he's always got a smile on and after that that is when he sort of chucks away all of his clown stuff Mm. and goes straight to sophie's apartment plants one on her maybe more we don't know we assume more we we can assume a lot more so yeah, so begins, so begins the Joker's emergence, Tran- transformation, but also his love affair with the lady down the hall, mm-hmm. um, which unfortunately gets interrupted by um, his his mother going into some kind of stroke or something, mm, because she writes a letter to Thomas Wayne. Yes. After Arthur has done his first stand-up routine. Mm, which he doesn't react to terribly well. No. He he struggles, just even when he's in comedy scenes before, when he's at the comedy clubs, he doesn't laugh at the right places. He'll laugh in the middle of a joke instead of at the end. Mm. And it's only when he notices that people are laughing in certain places that he starts copying. But even within his own joke, he can't physically stop laughing. Mm. And the way it's probably because it's a stage fright. Mm. There are all of these people just looking at him, and he visualizes it going a lot better than it does. Mm. They then go out. Him and uh, Sophie go out on the town. They, they come s- across the newspaper mm. where she um, expresses an opinion that matches his own. Mm. Um, you can see that he almost wants to be like, "Hey, that was totally me." Mm. Just like. Mm-hmm. And he sees someone drive by in either a normal car or a police car. I thought it was a um, a taxi. It may have been. I think it was a taxi. It was a vehicle of some kind. It was a taxi. and With um, a mask. With a mask. And he gives a really kind of contorted smile. Because mm, he's realising that he's having an impact. Mm. Like he said, he does actually exist. Yeah, because he's building a movement now. Um, unknowingly that the, let's say the common folk or the less well off have now witnessed someone taking out on the um on the beloved and the higher ups mm. they've now got a voice and they're now all going to amass around this one figure mm. and also Thomas Wayne does not make things any better no 
because he gets interviewed the morning after the shooting and he essentially calls anyone who is not rich, he calls them a clown, mm. which is what starts this whole anti-capitalist movement in Gotham. He also calls um, him a coward as well because he says what kind of coward would do something cause that cold-blooded. Mm. Which, hmm, I really did like what they did with Thomas Wayne, that they mm. made him such a character within the narrative where they could have just sort of left him alone. Mm. I like the fact they brought the Waynes into it because I really did think it was just going to be a Joker thing. But not only do you see Thomas Wayne, but you also see younger Bruce Wayne. Mm. Little baby Brucey. Which you see when um, when Joker's coming up to the, the gates to Wayne Manor. Mm. Um, and this is such a bizarre scene where he's doing a magic trick to Bruce and then he kind of contorts his mouth into a smile. Mm. Um, I guess Alfred? Is it Alfred? Or? Yeah. Yeah, Alfred comes over and expresses some concern. Mm. Um, he grabs at Alfred, but then kind of runs away when he hears when he figures out what's going on, mm. and then um, goes to confront Bruce Wayne. Sorry, Thomas Wayne um, at some kind of big party. Yeah, it's a showing of modern times mm. by Charlie Chaplin, which is a film itself about a man who gets trapped in the modern machine. Yeah. So he gets trapped in a capitalist society. I don't... I. Characters don't appreciate the irony of that. Audience do. Mm. Um, which I really appreciated. And Arthur approaches Thomas in the bathroom and says, I know that you're my dad. And the way that Thomas Wayne acts towards him, it's no surprise that Arthur just sort of goes a little bit I don't know why everyone's so rude. I don't know why. I don't want anything from you. Mm. And Thomas Wayne just... After telling Arthur that his mother is insane and that he was adopted, which is this whole massive shift for Arthur from going to having some sort of knowledge of who he was to not really knowing who he is anymore. Yeah. And then he comes home and finds that mummy has had a stroke. Yes. Um, I'm doing too good. He goes off to the hospital, followed by his new lady friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I can't remember how he figures out. Oh, because um, what happened with Thomas Wayne isn't that what drives him to um, go to Goth um, to go to Arkham Asylum, mm-hmm. find the papers or steal them essentially. And then figure out that, or at least see that in the papers it's been written that his mother had lied to him mm. and that he was adopted and he smothers his mother with a pillow. Yeah, such, such a lovely relationship. <laughs> when it's where we get the line that I used to think that my life was a tragedy, but yeah. now I can see that it's a fucking comedy. Because he just snaps at that point. Yes. Because he, I don't think he's gone to... Sophie's apartment yet he has yes no so after he goes to Arkham he then goes back to the apartment and he goes into Sophie's apartment sits down and it's where we have the big fight club reveal that nothing with her was real Mm. and with a shot very quickly earlier in the film you see that he's got some medication that's designed to combat well deal with schizophrenia Mm. so we realised that dear old Arthur is not 
a reliable narrator at all. No. And he may or may not murder Sophie and her daughter. Because after he... Next time we see him after that, there are sirens in the background and someone's mm. knocking down the door. Yes. So his his killing spree has begun and uh, he kills mummy. <laughs> Goes home. <laughs> yes. But what we'll do is... We'll wrap up here because I realise that we've surpassed half an hour and we're going to cover this oh, in a two-parter. <laughs> Maybe a good idea. I didn't realise if it, this was going to be a two-parter, but it's going to be a two-parter, which isn't a bad thing. So, if you want to find us, you can find us now on some other places. So you can find us on our Facebook page, which is our usual Facebook page, uh, Better Show, spelled B-E-T-T-A Show. We've also got The Better Show, which is our Instagram page, where you can find us there as well. Um, something else that is worth mentioning as well is that we're going to be at MCM Comic Con, London MCM Comic Con, at the Excel Centre this October. Um, we're going to only be there on Saturday, but we're going to be in full-on Joker group cosplay, and you'll be able to find us. We're going to be giving out business cards. We want to meet you all. Um, hopefully, we're going to get some new fans and listeners to the show with our business card give-y-outy. Um... So if you guys have seen us at Con at any point, please feel free to leave a comment. We'd love to speak to you on the Facebook page, Instagram, wherever you guys fancy talking. And until next week, or whenever we release another episode, have a good day, month, year, life, death, existence. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>